0: Howdy, Leapers. Chris here. So I know that you've all been expecting our revisiting Honeymoon Express episode to drop this week, but that has been delayed because reasons. So, in its stead, I am proud to present this episode of our Patreon bonus show that we call Leaps Elsewhere. Leaps Elsewhere is a show that Matt, Allison, and I do where we discuss other projects that Scott and Dean have been involved in. And it just so happens that when Scott was on NCIS New Orleans, uh, there was an episode where Dean was the guest star. So, this is a Leaps Elsewhere that has both Scott and Dean featured. And I have to say, this is probably one of my favorite leaps elsewhere that we've ever done. So I'm happy to bring it to you. And to be honest, this is not quite a random choice on my part. Over the course of the last week, I had occasion to re listen to this, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So thank you to my friends on the Infinite Potato Council of Elders who kind of sparked this re listen and made me rediscover this episode. You know who you are. And you also know who you are, our Patreon producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad... Charles Allen Gossard and Morgan Felden. This is the kind of programming that we produce for all of the people like you who are Patreon supporters. You can join us at the $5 Leaper level to unlock this kind of content. There's about 25 hours worth of this on our Patreon site at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. Enjoy one and all this episode of Leaps Elsewhere. On with the show.
1: The people- Brought you television's two biggest dramas. Take you to the big easy.
2: We need you to come with us. Not gonna happen. Kind of old school. Old
0: school still works in Louisiana.
2: Scott Bacula. You ready? I'm good for a fight. This town really gets into your DNA. My city, my way. Let the good times roll. NCIS New Orleans.
1: No, oh, I need to get IMDb up, don't I? Because otherwise, I'm going to be referring to everyone by how they look.
2: Because <laughs> I can't oh, remember man. character doing, or actor names. Do more research. There's like than that
1: sciency nerd. And there was CCH Pounder, because everyone knows CCH Pounder, but um, yeah, there was the, the science nerd, the kid from American Gothic, and the woman. Oh, we meant to know who they are? <laughs> that's the... <laughs> All right,
0: let's save it for the show, because I think that's part and parcel of what we're Gonna be
1: discussing. Let's be sure to only say nice things about Scott for this record, just in case. <laughs> just in case Because I'm sure he's listening.
2: <laughs> yeah. Scott is like, no one ever talks about NCI's New Orleans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh dear. Stop it. Save it. Save it. We haven't started yet. All right, let's <laughs> let's do we're, it. We're all gonna talk about the accent, let's face it.
2: The backcent. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Or have we started? I don't don't
2: even know Oh, we're going to have some fun on this podcast, guys. (laughs) (laughs) On Leaps Elsewhere. (laughs) There, I got an intro for us.
1: Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang,
2: bang, bang. Boom! 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 Bang! 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 How! 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 How!
1: How! 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 Ho. Hey, hey! Hey!
0: Everyone, this is Chris. This is Allison, and this is Matt. <laughs> and as you can tell, we're going to be talking about NCIS this time. Am I doing that accent right, Allison? You got it better than me. I don't know. <laughs> I, I
2: have it barely holding. <laughs> In New Orleans if you if say Nolans yeah Nolans <laughs> you got it Nola Nola I'm afraid to try yeah Matt well now you have to now you've called attention to N- it not
1: Nolans
2: Nolans <laughs> very questioning Nolans
1: <laughs> Nolans
2: Gumbo and chards. <laughs> <laughs> oh you mean Greens <laughs>
0: Hey, have you guys ever noticed that um, most British actors, when they do an American, will do like a Southerner or someone from Texas?
2: No, I haven't noticed that at all. I've noticed tons of them just doing plain vanilla American accents. And in my
0: experience, they're always doing like a deep Southern or Texas accent.
2: I can't think of one example of that. What are you
1: thinking of? <laughs> I thought British actors usually did this kind of very generic sort of New York but very soft East Coast.
2: It's it's harder to do different accents that are specific to regions because I feel like if you're like if an American's doing a British accent, it's usually like, you know, just just standard, like what Matt sounds like, instead of like, you know, a northern accent or like a, you know, a Cockney accent or, you know, like a very specific kind of thing. It always comes back to accents on the show, doesn't it? Yeah. The backset. I just wanted to say <laughs> the backset.
0: The backset. <laughs>
1: It's what we're all here for. Did Scott's accent kind of come and go throughout this entire thing? I felt like it did. I was trying to figure out if that was an intentional thing. Like Like he knew that if he tried to really push it, it would sound false. So maybe he was intentionally holding back or it was just very
2: bad. I don't know. I'm not close enough to the regional accents. He's doing it kind of soft cuz I feel like if he was doing like a real like creole accent like it's kind of hard to understand and it does sound kind of goofy when you know it's not what they sound like and that's kind of what's happening here. So I mean, I I would have to hear from like an actual uh this person if uh if it sounded accurate enough but it's just it's distracting to me because i know that's that's not what he sounds like <laughs>
0: Half the time to me, he sounded like Scott, and the other half, he sounded like Scott doing an accent, and I was just wondering if he was taking a page from the DeForest Kelly book of how to do accents whenever he approached McCoy for a different scene. If he wanted him to be more cranky and southern, he had a little bit more of an accent. Mm. If he just wanted him to be it, Jim, I'm a doctor. He was just, you know, D. Kelly.
2: <laughs> so You know, I don't know, um I, I've actually seen more than one uh, NCIS Nolan's episode than this, but I don't know a lot of the backstory about Dwayne Pride's character, other than apparently in this one his his father Cassius was in jail. But um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was like raised by like super New Orleans person and then like uh a, a normal uh, average North American accent and then like and then he kind of like slips in and out of it. Hm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing.
0: Well, let's 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 before we go any further just maybe officially announce to everybody listening. Hi. You're listening to Leaps Elsewhere. This is our Patreon exclusive show where we talk about other projects that uh, feature Scott Bakula or Dean Stockwell. And in this case, this episode features both Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. Today, we'll be talking about the NCIS New Orleans season one episode, Chasing Ghosts. As you probably already know, NCIS New Orleans is the latest show starring Scott Bakula. And uh, we happen to pick an episode in which Dean Stockwell makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. So we get to talk about both Scott and Dean on this show. And it's funny, Allison. I wanted to maybe start this one by asking everybody, because you had just alluded to it. How much of this kind of TV do you watch? Are you an NCIS fan? Are you a CSI fan? Do you watch police procedurals in general? Like, what is your experience with this genre? Um Why don't we start, Allison, with you? Can you tell us just a little bit of background on your, uh you know, do you like this stuff?
2: Well... I don't know if anyone got from when we selected this when I said, Oh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm not a big fan of police procedurals. If there's something with like a, a twist to it, then that's fine. Like, uh, it's incredibly on PC, but I liked Monk when it was on. Um, so there's some things, uh, that, that I like. Okay. Um, if there's like a different spin, but these sort of average, like, Lives of the investigators forensics um the the kind of staple that uh Donald Belisario <laughs> has made a great a uh, lot of money on um is just not my thing. Um, but I have seen uh, a handful of episodes of NCS New uh, because I am a Scott Bakula fan like all of us. So I was curious. I picked ones where I'm like, maybe the plot is OK. It sounds like it's about his character to varying degrees of entertainment or amusement. Uh, I actually thought this episode would be really boring, um, but I have I have a lot more to say than I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Well, yeah. How
1: about you, Matt? Do you watch these kinds of shows? Yeah, I'm much the same as Allison. I've never really been into procedurals unless there's something different about them. So, yeah, the the NCIS uh, shows always seem to me to be fairly maybe generic, safe. The fact that they've done what 2000 episodes of them now, maybe that that does prove their uh, their their genericness. Uh, so, I've always avoided them. Not not seen any of the NCIS episodes of any of of their flavors.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So I thought that maybe we would be able to have at least someone on the show to (laughs) represent this kind of entertainment because, like you guys, not my cup of tea. Do not like procedurals. I have never seen an episode of Law & Order. I've never seen an episode of CSI, whatever iteration. This is the first episode of NCIS that I've ever seen, and it will be the last episode of NCIS (laughs) I've ever seen. Did I sell
2: you? (laughs) because let me tell you it kind of almost sold me i'm just gonna say (laughs)
0: i guess you know what sold me um we'll get to it but like dean's performance sold me it was the only time the episode came alive to me and that's not to diss scott in any way but uh we can get to some of the specific problems i had with that but i'm trying to think like the last police show that i watched like straight up cop drama was probably the shield on fx or nypd blue on abc
1: yeah, NYPD Blue was my last as well, that, yeah. that I was properly
2: into. And that, that was that was a long time ago. Right? Yeah. <laughs> what about Cop Rock? Either of you see Cop Rock, the ultimate police procedural? <laughs> I do believe I
0: spoke to Laura Harrington about being in Cop Rock. Oh, Connie LaMotta. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: My grandmother's platter. Amazing. And
0: I, I think she said she had a blast. So
2: I bet it was super fun to work on.
0: Go back and listen to our interview, uh, with Laura Harrington from the Deliver Us From Evil podcast. Uh, what's that? Episode 079, I believe, or 080. 080. QLP 080.
2: Well, I wanted to, to kick things off here by describing the three plots of this episode. Perhaps if people <laughs> kind of get like the overall, uh, what's going on, um, then, then we can dive in a little deeper for people who are not familiar with, uh, NCIS New Orleans. So here's the three plots. You got, uh, the, the main one. Which is there is a 40-year-old unsolved murder involving a lynching that has sort of a, a personal meaning to uh, CCH Pounder's character, Loretta Wade. And then you have uh, Thanksgiving's happening and <laughs> Dwayne Pride, Scott Bakula's character, his daughter doesn't like that he buddies up with, <laughs> with her boyfriends all the time. <laughs> And then you have there's a greens off happening, <laughs> and the science nerd Sebastian Lund, he's making greens, and he needs beakers to do it, and an algorithm to figure out the <laughs> spices though like I love that
0: <laughs> was that supposed to be a quirky character trait where like half of his lab was like dangerous acid and things to like I don't know. Take flesh off of a, a gun And the other half right next to it Was oh those are the greens for Thanksgiving More greens?
1: Yeah Loretta told me about the greens Off since I recently discovered that my fruitcake Was not well received I thought I'd get
2: in on the action Since so she's the judge I decided To make an algorithm based on all of her favorite spices Oh man This is totally out of hand Is that for your kale too?
1: No that's uh, that's for the case actually It's extract from the silt found on The burglar's pant cuff it's lead Ha, that's so wacky. What a
2: nerd. What a nerd (laughs) this guy is. I figured out the algorithm. (laughs) What spices she'd like. I was confounded. Did that not
1: work for you Chris? Cuz that totally worked for me.
2: It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and I loved
1: it. I
0: think it was meant to be ridiculous to be like, "Oh boy, like I'm sure if you were a
2: 67-year-old housewife, that was hilarious." Because, "Oh, that's so silly." Oh, that's the that is the audience for this type of show and for most <laughs> daytime TV on on CBS. I'm sorry. It's for the average older person who may or may not be paying attention to what's going on. <laughs> And I hope that I didn't just alienate any of our
0: sixty seven year old housewife patrons out there. I do apologize. But you know the show was written for
2: you. <laughs> I'm sure there are like there are fans of NCIS New Orleans listening to this because like that kind of crosses over with fans of Quantum Leap for obvious reasons. Like, um just because we're not into it, we're dunking on it, like it's fine if they like it. I I think there's probably some merits to it, but but I don't mean to insult anyone who is is into this.
0: This this was the weirdest thing because I found this show both – like, I got whiplash because the plot and story moved so fast at times. And then for the other half of the time, I was, like, bored out of my mind. And it was just (sighs) – I knew it was going to be formulaic because that's what a procedural is. It's just a very formula. But this is so script by committee, by the numbers, plot, 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 joke, personal side story, plot, 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 joke, personal side story, plot, 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 resolution. I, so there's not even like a, well, I guess there was like a third act turn. You could even see that coming. Oh, my
2: God. I called the killer immediately. Oh,
0: my. The second the, the second guy got the on guy screen, I was like, that's the killer. Up, the
2: second there was an old person on screen that was not Dean Stockwell, I said he did it. And then he did it. Because I'm like, it's not going to be the obvious one. And they're not going to have a bunch of, it's going to be the unassuming old guy where they're like, he's been my friend since forever. And he did it. and i loved i loved you and you married him instead of me
0: and
1: i knew that's exactly where it was going oh all right i'm gonna be honest guys then this is really embarrassing but maybe i wasn't paying attention (laughs) i one of my notes here was that i i thought there were some good twists in the plot and yeah i did not see that
2: coming (laughs) i mean i think that comes from if you've seen i mean you said you you haven't watched any procedurals right because it just doesn't seem your thing not, not for, not for
1: a very long time. And yeah, last, last one was really NYPD Blue in my teens.
2: Yeah. Cause if you've seen enough of these kind of procedural shows, you know, like, it's like either the big guest star did it or the big guest star is the red herring and it's going to be someone within, yeah. like, they think is unassuming, but they don't have enough people in this episode in the age range to be suspects you only have like three suspects you got the brother the old friend yeah. and dean stockwell And you know it's not going to be dean stockwell because they're focusing so much on it being him and the fact that he's like the dad of this guy i guess is some recurring villain on the show he's like the main nemesis
1: right it's the classic quantum leap mystery issue. That there's always one one guest star that could be the suspect. Um but yeah, somehow that passed me by here. I as I say, if this was Quantum Leap, <laughs> I probably would have spotted it a mile off. Um but maybe I was just uh yeah, too too busy. I, I was too busy during that first scene thinking, where have I seen that woman from Heroes before? That I'm gonna use as the excuse for distracting me.
2: Oh, was that where she's from? I knew she looked familiar. Cancer wife? Was she? Was she the uh, the 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 she mom was the or not? Mother Tirelli? of what is the, the name? yeah yeah Pirelli? Is that what is the name of this? them? Them yeah. Was Pirelli the right name? <laughs>
1: probably we're thinking about the same person though
2: (laughs) what are we talking about i'm confused
1: (laughs) her her sons could fly
2: the woman who was uh who was the the wife of the man who was murdered in this episode right Um, yeah a cancer mom yeah Yeah. cancer mom she uh she was the the mom uh, of the main sort of main characters in the ensemble of heroes I believe.
0: Oh, I remember watching the first season of that and not really liking it that much.
2: The first season was the only good one, so I don't think the other ones are going (laughs) to sell you on it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Save the cheerleader, save the world. That's what I remember from Heroes. But I I just want to go back to, and and yeah, again, maybe this is because for me, this isn't a genre that I ever really touched, so it, it had a novelty factor. Chris, yes, maybe it's true that this had a very formulaic set of beats but i enjoyed all of those beats i thought it was a uh, that the actual mystery plot was good and kept me engaged the jokes were funny enough the the nice personal backstories were nice uh, yeah I, I actually quite enjoyed this but maybe <laughs> this is exactly the same as every other episode of every other uh show in this genre i don't know but it was well it was a good hour i, mean,
2: I gotta be honest i didn't I didn't hate it really. Like I've seen other episodes of NCIS, and I think this one was like perhaps inadvertently <laughs> amusing to me. Like there were some parts that were definitely supposed to be funny. You know, the thing where he's like making the greens with all the science stuff, and then the like, the whole subplot with the the daughter's boyfriend. Like it's supposed to be funny, and some of it's actually funny because the way they intended, and other parts are like what? Like this is not how human beings act like what is going (laughs) thank you (laughs) the plot with the boyfriend like she uh um what is the name of his daughter laurel yeah laurel pride so, so Dwayne's daughter, Laurel, is like, I'm going to bring this guy I like to Thanksgiving dinner, but don't do that thing you usually do. And you kind of think, because this is a plot you see in a lot of things, that maybe he's kind of tough on the boyfriends, or mm-hmm. maybe he's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you better treat my daughter right. But it turns out he's just too friendly. He's just too nice, because they always end up being buddies with him. They'll, they'll call him for advice. Some of them still do. He helps them out. He's so nice. And she's like, don't make make it weird don't get close with my boyfriends this is going to be just a nice dinner so the moment that this guy shows up his name is Orion by the way <laughs>
0: Orion yeah. yeah
2: and um the moment he shows up he starts acting like a fucking alien And he's like, (laughs) I brought these spices for the dinner, and he takes them out, and he's like, I bought, I got them because they're for your, he uses some technical term for the front taste buds or something, like a human being would ever say this.
0: Why cinnamon? Daddy. It's for the fungiform papillae. The fungiform papillae? Mm-hmm. Taste buds at the front of your tongue. Uh Aha. You get the savory right away.
2: And then, like, (laughs) they start talking. It's like a million years just to get to the point. I got cinnamon because it's sweet. Why didn't you just say that? What is going on? And then she gets all pissy at her dad for, like, not acting like a fucking tool about it. (laughs) And then it's like, what? All he is is answering these very, very weird questions (laughs) for two seconds. And they try to have a serious dramatic moment over that. Like, what was he supposed to do?
0: I've been around enough food douches where, you know, that's a plausible conversation to me. (laughs) Or anyway, plausible someone talking at you. Do
2: they use the taste bud name and stuff like that? They
0: would if they could whip it out and you know unfurl their cooking knowledge like not only do i know how to cook i know the science behind cooking i am both chef tell and alton brown and you shall hear my wisdom because that's what i'm all about
1: alison alison he's talking about himself (laughs) these other people they're chris you had this
2: exact conversation with laura's dad didn't you
0: oh yeah
1: oh yeah!
2: Oh my god
0: that would be something then I really would have been kicked out of the house figured Laura wouldn't have kicked me out, he would have he would have been like, get the fuck out of here although he never curses, he's not a cursor oh boy
2: I kind of like the fact that he was just too nice I was like, that's a nice little like character bit that it's like, he just wants to be friends with everyone, and he's like, well, I don't get it I just want to be nice it's, it's very
1: Scott it's very Scott.
0: Yeah, yeah. But that's that's it. Thank you, Matt. That's the perfect way because that to me was the only part of this character that was believably Scott Bakula. I think that mm, yeah, uh, I, I, God loves Scott and God bless him for getting seven seasons of basically a show where he can coast every episode because <laughs> this is the complete wrong role for scott Bakula, scott Bakula is such a great emotional actor and he could always use like material that he can sink his teeth into and he can really bring you to an emotional place when he's at his best this is just like patter it's just anybody i could play this part
2: well i can tell you this uh the other episodes i've seen have been more dramatic episodes for his character and he was given things to do i think this episode was just not really about him I don't think he was really coasting through it, though certainly there's a lot of episodes of – procedurals where people like everyone is coasting through it because it's just the same script every week all the time yeah, right and, like how many like navy crimes can you come up with apparently if you're donald belisario 10 million <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was so
0: confused as to why there are navy like a swat team of navy cops in new orleans like right there i'm having trouble buying the premise of the show altogether is that like a real thing like a real world thing are there ncis chapters in every city
1: I was wondering if this is like those cute little villages in England where there seem to be murders every week for about 10 years. Is that, is that the same as in the Navy? There's just that many unsolved deaths. That they need a thousand episodes of, uh, in various locations.
2: It doesn't feel like there would, it would be, it certainly wouldn't be as exciting as this, but that's with any procedural, like forensics, for instance, is not as exciting as these things make it out to be. It's very just, you know, do the science thing and then you're in a, in a lab <laughs> and not a lot's going on and, uh, I don't know. It was really clunky them getting to this too. At the beginning of the episode, they have the cold open where there's this guy being chased because of a robbery by like the, the normie police. And then he like falls off a roof and he's he has a gun that uh, belonged to uh, someone in the Navy. So that's, like, it's an old gun. So when the NCIS folks come in, you got short-haired lady and you got short-haired guy. And they come over and then they're talking about greens or whatever for Thanksgiving. And then Dwayne's like, I'm just waiting for the next question. <laughs> what does this have to do <laughs> yeah. with the Navy? Waiting for the first question. Navy or Marines? Neither. He merged some seamen when he robbed him? Nope. No direct military connection to our dead man. Then why are we here?
1: That stolen gun. Is navy issue.
2: It's like, <laughs> just tell them directly. What are you doing? Just tell them why they are there.
1: We're all trying to figure that out. He he did a lot of squinty acting in this, did Scott? <laughs>
2: And then they cut to the Applebee's intro, and like, oh. oh, oh, oh.
1: <laughs> but that that whole that, the whole cold open just seemed to go nowhere. That that was a lot of effort just to introduce a gun.
0: Yeah. Well, you got to fill forty seven minutes somehow with the show.
1: So. <laughs> I
2: guess it's like a little, maybe it's like a change, you know? Because like you you are wondering like, what does this have to do with the Navy? This is just a robbery. What's going on here? And then you're intrigued, like, what does the gun have to do with it? What does the Navy have to do with it?
0: And then it just happens to be a gun that just happens to be because now this is another (laughs) like, oh, what a bunch of bullshit. CCH (laughs) Pounder, amazing actor, someone I loved in The Shield. Just I think she's great. Another one that is just completely wasted. But God bless her. She got seven seasons too. She's getting a payday. And uh, I don't think this taxes her acting abilities all that much. So good on her. But uh, her character trait is that she leaves cold cases. On the bedside table, when she can't <laughs> sleep, and I can't sleep a lot, and this just happened to be her first cold case that got her into the cold cases. It's just
2: like <laughs> what <laughs> she, she was given some real clunker lines. Okay, she's she's um the coroner, I believe. She does the autopsies and the investigates the bodies.
0: Apparently, according to this episode, yes.
2: So she hangs out in the very very blue autopsy room and um so she's like they get they exhume the body from this like 40 year old lynching and she takes it out and basically boiled down the problem with the body is that there's no damage to the bones in the neck and generally when you get hanged you're gonna break your neck um and also there's a giant hole in the skull that would seem to indicate he he, he was probably hit in the head and killed that way but she goes around it in the dumbest way. She's like, usually you see damage, you do asphyxial resistance. And then, like, Scott Bakula's like, you mean when someone struggles, when they're being choked? It's like You don't have to explain <laughs> that someone breaks their neck when they're hanged, usually. You could have just cut to the chase and said, hey, you see this big hole in the skull? That usually doesn't happen when you're hanged. There's an issue here. But they go around it forever like we're the dumbest people on the planet. And how did they not notice this 40 years ago? Well, they they seem to have been very corrupt (laughs) 40 years ago. The excuse for
1: exhuming him is, oh, nowadays we can do much more with DNA. And then they do fuck all with the DNA. It's just like, oh, well, look at his bones. There's a... Big hole in his head.
2: Well, I think what they were getting at, because the police is just like, ah, it's a suicide, whatever, is that they were incompetent and possibly there was some anti-Semitism going on there yeah. because the the man was Jewish.
0: Yeah, they were in, they were in cahoots. Scott's character, Dwayne, made it a point to say on like three separate occasions, "Well, back then, you know, you'd be surprised. Like a lot of the the hate groups and the cops were one and the same. And, <laughs>
2: back then, and like it's changed now. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: so, uh, it was just like really." clunky and yeah they were all corrupt back then thank
1: god i'm on the scene Dwayne pride's here now he's gonna put everything right i was glad that scott took a moment to explain to us that discrimination hasn't ended (laughs) that was a message that needed to be stated
2: why did cch pounder's character wait until the like 11th hour to bring out that journal Like, they did all this DNA investigating, and they're like, wait, it's not this guy, and And she's like, maybe the journal lied. And they're like, what, the journal? The journal where he said that, like, so-and-so was doing this, and this, and it's like, what, do you think forensics is the only part of investigating? Like, why didn't you bring this up? (laughs) This is important. Because-
0: The journal was part of the cold case, and she had read it so many times that there was nothing new in the journal, Allison, but she never considered that there could be evidence aside from what was written. If the
2: journal says so-and-so was hassling me or so-and-so might do this to me and they think so-and-so did it, that would be evidence to corroborate what they were saying. But that's not that's not what they got out of the journal. Yeah, but she was saying that that it was faked anyway. But she didn't bring that up until after they had already done all of this like forensic evidence and like who could it possibly be? But it just so plausibly
0: occurred to her at that moment that it could be a fake entry after 40 years of looking at this journal. It was
2: never brought up in this episode. How fucking lazy <laughs> is that? I'm just the, saying. It's like Deus Ex Journal. You know, like, no. you didn't, why, why didn't you tell us about this? This is a key piece of evidence. Yeah. I mean,
0: and it, it shows you just how weird these shows are structured. Or anyway, this episode of this particular show was structured to me because – Again, that breakneck pacing of, like, the reveals, reveal, reveal. I was getting whiplash. And then you were talking about the forensics before, Allison. This was like like Arthur C. Clarke level. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Like, what they were doing with this forensics was just ludicrous. Like, there is no such lab that exists in the real world. This is like, this is the NCIS version of them teching the tech. This must be what my wife feels like when she's watching Star Trek and they pull a bullshit tech the tech thing out at the last minute. It was just so nonsensical. <laughs> the
2: magic age progression machine? They take this picture of. Oh, that was a whole other thing. They oh, take a, this right. picture of this guy who looks nothing like a young Dean Stockwell in any that way. Absolutely and, nothing.
1: And How <laughs> did they not have any photos of Dean Stockwell who had a film career back then <laughs> how did they not have they seem to have a photo of young Joe Pesci <laughs> who, just, who morphs into this bad drawing of Dean.
2: That's brilliant. <laughs> morphs into his head exactly that's not even like if you have like sketches of possible age progression and people do that they take photos in like photoshop <laughs> or sketch and they're like okay this is plausibly what they look like it doesn't look like an exact photo of them <laughs> I'm sorry, but the photo
0: that they the progression that they did was so wonky looking. He had a big yeah. bulb head. <laughs> it was just like did they make it like purposely like jarring like that? It was it was like
1: marish. I legit laughed out loud. <laughs> Me too. They didn't want it to look perfect for the reasons that you guys have said, so I think they just took a photo of and went, Well let's just if we stretch him around a little bit, then he won't it won't look like a perfect photo of Dean. Like, yeah, that's
0: not how it works, but okay, thank you. It made it made the, the image of, of fat neck
2: styles look realistic <laughs> compared to uh <laughs> they did a similar morphing effect to get that <laughs> in 2014 <laughs> I, I also laughed a lot at dean stockwell is t-bone <laughs> isn't that a type of meat T-bone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have been talking about scott a lot and the show a lot but um Dean being in this, I believe that this was his very last TV appearance. Yeah. It seems like he had another film that came out the same year. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was his second to last thing that he did before retiring.
0: Dean was really solid in this one. Mm. He had yeah. such a quiet menace about him. It's like I bought every single thing that was coming out of his mouth. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be 100% honest. I was prepared to be embarrassed for him. I thought that this was just going to be a gimmicky stunt. I don't know how well Dean is at this point in his career. I don't know if he's slipping. I didn't know what to expect, but I was cringing because I was expecting the worst. And he was so good in this episode. I was just like, go, Dean, go. Fuck yeah. I loved it.
2: I mean, I'm going to be a big jerk here. I really think the opposite of what you think. Really? (laughs) Okay, look, I i love dean stockwell and i love scott Bakula. like um i just think like i don't think dean stockwell was doing well like i think he looked really frail and he was saying his lines very slow and possibly like phoning it in a little bit chief
0: petty officer jacob tarlow remember him i would turned up a lot of criminals in my day he wasn't a criminal he was a highly decorated navy chief petty officer that you took an extra liking to Eight unlawful arrests in six months. Establishing a pattern of of harassment is good, but what you need is for me to admit that he got tired of my harassing him, and he fought back, and I lost control, and I strung him up. Sounds like a confession to me.
1: Maybe a tall tale from a feeble, senile old man.
2: And they made sure every scene he was, like, sitting down on that boat. Um, I don't know, it just didn't... (sighs) Something was off about it to me.
0: You could say – well, because I think we're so used to – and maybe this is what I bring to it, Um and this is what I was expecting. Maybe you're so used to seeing – I am anyway – so used to seeing him as Al. I know that you guys watch a lot more of their extra work than I do. Like I know them almost exclusively from Quantum Leap. So to see him not being Al, I was expecting to say I don't buy it. But I just thought that the performance that he gave was perfect for the character. He just seemed like – honestly like a taciturn old zip to me an old italian dude yeah and i've i've grown up around them my entire life so his he was entirely believable in that respect and just sort of that dry are you menacing you could be menacing right you know it was much better than i was expecting
1: allison what what were you expecting because i'm i'm very much with chris on this one that i i went in kind of cringing before he appeared on screen thinking this is, this is going to be a gimmick. This is not going to be very good. So, I, yeah, I went in with very low expectations, so I was surprised. Did you have higher expectations, perhaps? No. Or did you have low expectations that were met?
2: As far as Dean Stockwell's part was, it's pretty much exactly what I expected. It was, uh, mm-hmm. like, one day spent on a boat. I don't think they wrote anything embarrassing. I don't think the story was embarrassing. I don't, well, I don't really think it was embarrassing. I just think it was, like... It, it was... It was fine. I just think Dean Stockwell, like, it's, I think, I mean, he's, like, in his 80s, and, like, I think he just wasn't doing well, and, like, but, I mean, I've seen, like, other roles that he's done later as well, where he does speak kind of slower, and, you know, like, obviously he's older, but, like, it feels like he spent a day on a boat and got to hang out with his old friend Scott Bakula again, and, like... (laughs) I, it wasn't, like, a feature for me, the fact that Dean Stockwell was in there, like, even though it's it's nice to see these two acting together in something. Mm. I, he was on there because of Scott Bakula, too. I believe they were pitching the idea, and, and Scott Bakula said, like, wouldn't it be great if we could get Dean? And then they did, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, was this part just written or written specifically for him?
2: I feel like if they made him the dad of the main nemesis, they were leaving it open, like, for the possibility of him coming back or doing some more if he felt like it, maybe. Yeah, that
0: seems like it, it's right to me. Now, what really knocked me for a loop, forget about Dean Stockwell coming back. I mean, you have Brian Hackett as the big bad in NCIS New Orleans. I mean, Stephen Weber, to me, is mainly a comedic actor. So to have him on there as the recurring nemesis for Scott Bakula, it's just like, what? <laughs> it's, he belongs in that role as much as Scott belongs in the Dwayne Pride role, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think I know him. I So he didn't jump out to me at all. If you guys don't know the Brian Hackett reference I made, um, the first thing I ever saw Stephen Weber on was a sitcom called Wings. And Laura and I oh, loved Wings. Okay. We watched Wings all the time. And it was about two brothers on Nantucket who owned like a small airline. And uh, he played the brother Brian. So he was funny in that. And after that, he had sort of a short comedic film career. I remember seeing him in uh, Mel Brooks' movie. In the late 80s, maybe early 90s. So to have him pop up in this as a villain was kind of weird to me. Because I know him primarily as someone who gets the laughs. Although they did weirdly, but everything about this was misguided anyway. They they cast him as Jack Torrance in the TV miniseries of The Shining. But that whole thing was a fucking abortion anyway, so... (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't any more miscast than anybody else so
2: i mean i i'm not familiar with him from wings i've heard of it but i've never seen it um i think he played like a fine villain he's got kind of a villainy face
0: yeah yeah i'm i'm perfectly willing to concede that this is what i bring to it yeah i bought him
2: going back to dean stockwell there was like a part where they're talking on the boat and uh is uh is indicating he thinks he's part of this murder. He's got something going on. And then like Dean Stockwell is like, yeah, well, you're just waiting for me to say that like I, I flew off the handle and I attacked him and I did this and then I threw him up on a tree to like cover for it and all that. And he's like, yeah, he's like, well, that maybe it's a story by a crazy senile old man. This is just a story I told. Like he's saying, if I did it, this is how it happened. Anyway, I gotta go take a whiz. And then he leaves. I
0: gotta go to the restroom.
2: and, like, <laughs> <laughs> why would you say that? Especially because he had nothing to do with it. It was just weird. He's just
1: pissing off Dwayne. He was goading him.
2: Yeah, but you're just implicating yourself. Like, what if they'd found something small that seemed to link him to it, even if he wasn't involved? It's just like, why would you implicate yourself? I feel like that was the biggest red herring
0: that they were throwing at you in this uh to to make him feel like um he's a like the biggest of the big bad. Like he'll just brag about it because he's so above the law that I guess this guy is a senator. His son is some kind of like elected official who's going to protect him. Hmm. And they even had that whole weird subplot with the injunction against the exhumation of the corpse. And it turns out that it was the evil Brian Hackett that stopped it. Until Dwayne threatened him somehow with it coming out. I don't even remember. That's what I mean. It's just like one needless plot turn after another.
2: Yeah. Why did he stop it? Because he thought his dad might be involved? He
0: was protecting his dad in case he was involved because he knows his dad is dirty.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is one thing I'll give for for Dean Stockwell's character. He does say like, hey, no one would accuse me of being innocent, but I wasn't part of this. like, all right. I Hmm. guess that's something. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, there was a part two also where um, <laughs> so they're they're looking through the evidence, like um, the short haired girl. She takes out a noose, like she's like, I got some evidence here, uh, such as this, and she holds up the noose, and then Dwayne's like, and the rope Jacob was hung with." Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> what, "What else do you think it is? <laughs> what else can <could> it be?"
0: <laughs> I feel like they went through. Sp- Special care, and I don't know, you've, you've seen other episodes, Allison, to take viewers by the hand and lead them through every single plot beat and maybe even give them a big spoonful of sugar with each reveal. <laughs> Is this indicative of all of the episodes that you've seen?
2: This one had, like, more forensic stuff and i i feel like the um the other episodes i watched were more very heavy on pride's character either like he's kidnapped or in danger or some other thing going on where it's like not a typical procedural like we got to figure out who this person is or what's going on kind of thing and more action based or things like that so i i don't know but it does feel like this is in general, pretty typical of, like, a, a procedural show. They gotta walk everyone through it uh, in case you are a complete moron, spoon-feed you everything. <laughs> you don't know what words mean. Or they say things that they think sound smart and then they aren't. <laughs> I, I, I'm i sim-
0: similarly confused with the setup of, is it the police NCIS police headquarters, or is it Pride's house, or... Does he just have like a kitchen in the headquarters or like because there seems to be cooking in the same place where they do their investigating. Just like the guy's making greens in the same place where he's rubbing DNA off of a 40 year old murder weapon.
1: It's the
2: way they roll in New
1: Orleans. (laughs) But is
2: it? Maybe. Why did that guy need to make the greens so early, though? They're going to be all like soggy and flat and gross by the time they eat.
0: Those were all test screens, don't you get it?
2: <laughs> one time he tells he tells Pride not to touch them, though. Like those are the ones for dinner. So at one point they're not test anymore.
0: <laughs> maybe they they were actually doing the investigation on Thanksgiving. I guess maybe that's how they roll, New Orleans. I don't know. <laughs> just like they seem to have a mardi a Mardi Gras parade every day. Yeah, like yeah, this parade in the beginning where they're just all marching down the street in costume because yeah, that happens every day in New Orleans.
2: Oh my! Oh
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I, hope- <laughs> I hope it does. <laughs> It does in my head. <laughs>
2: you know what killed me about this and the Thanksgiving thing? So they have these like transitions um in in these uh NCIS shows where it's like they'll flash like they'll do a cutout and a flash to like some point in the episode that might be dramatic or they're like you know coming up here's what's going on it's just like a second flash and they do that at the end of the episode they'll play like a dramatic sting like they do that but it's in the middle of like happy thanksgiving dinner All right, somebody pass me the greens here's the <laughs> <letter>. like nothing's <laughs> going on and then like the end it's,
1: it's dark that is that is I noticed that as well it is a very dark moment <laughs> over Thanksgiving.
0: But it's another thing that it's just like you're undercutting your own tension because it's I kind of caught on as when it first when I saw that first flash, it was just that isolated shot of Scott standing in in a dark room. And I'm like, what What am I looking at? And I was waiting for, you know, that most darling of TV tropes in the last 15 years, two days earlier, 48 hours earlier, you know, to pop (laughs) up across the screen or whatever. But it just turns out that, no, the formula of the show is to show you exactly where the character is going to be at the end of the act. And then you get to the end of the act and there's your
2: shot. It's confusing because they don't pick shots that, like, sometimes they'll pick ones where it's like, you know, they're handcuffing someone or, like, a punch is happening or something where you're like, ooh, what's going to happen? But then other times it's just, like, Scott Peculous standing in a room and then, <laughs>
1: all right,
2: <laughs> at one point
0: he will stand in a room. Right, you know, we're, we're not heading towards any danger whatsoever is what you're telling me. Okay, I'm going to be very comfortable by the end of this act. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was just an odd choice. Well, th-
2: the other red herring of this thing was the uh the Confederate Brigade. They had like like a spin-off of the KKK, the um yeah. Confederate yeah. Brigade which was going on back then and um the lead of this Confederate Brigade is a guy named Brick Myers.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm trying to remember
1: where I've seen that character actor from.
2: Oh, he's uh Jeff Kober. Jeff
1: Kober, he shows up in everything. Always playing a mean-looking shit.
2: He's very good at it.
1: Yeah. But... <laughs> very typecast, but he, he does what he does well.
2: One of the only times I saw him play a good guy was in the movie Tank Girl. He was one of the mutant kangaroos that was, like, part dog. No!
1: <laughs> oh, wow. I've not seen that in a he long time. He was the time. love
2: interest of that movie.
1: <laughs> God, i got to see that again. I know who you mean. I didn't realize it was him.
2: Who was named Brick?
0: Uh, Just the kid on the
1: middle on ABC. <laughs>
2: It sounds fake. Brick.
1: Well, so does T-Bone. What kind of a name is T-Bone? That's at
2: least a nickname. Maybe Brick's a nickname.
1: That's what I was wondering. Yeah, could it be a nickname? It seemed to be on, like, a file, though.
2: His name was Brick Myers. <laughs>
0: Just, like, it's good writing, you know? It tells you, oh, this is, a, this is an antagonist. His name yeah. is Brick. No good guys named Brick, and of course he's a white supremacist.
2: <laughs> oh, here, here was another line that uh, was embarrassing. I had two mothers before it was uh, all the rage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why?
0: (laughs) For the 67-year-old housewife out there to say, yes, I'm progressive.
2: Yes. It felt like it was written by a very old person. I'm not familiar with these (laughs) writers. Um, They might be younger. They seem to write a bunch of NCIS New Orleans and be story editors, so – uh, I guess that makes sense, but... It just
0: struck me as sort of a very mainstream way to try to get some social commentary in.
2: It feels like something that that they thought was kind of edgy and, like, would make old people laugh, but be safe.
0: Yes. Right. It's like when you see the, the equivalent of, like, the church group making a hip-hop video about how great Jesus is. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's how much edge it's got. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Also, I don't want to, I, I should say like conservative older people. I feel like I'm like dunking on old people a lot in this <laughs> episode.
0: I know. We probably shouldn't do that. It's just, you know, it's, it's just the joke of this type of program. It's, it's like the stereotype is that it is skewed for like an older crowd and CBS, especially is like supposed to be the old person network. So, I mean, you got a double whammy working on you here.
2: Yeah. Like, like an older conservative crowd is what they're going for. We're going for the cheap joke. We get it. We know, but it's still funny. (laughs) Was it funny? Two moms before it was all the rage?
0: No, I mean, us us dunking on it's still funny. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: There was another character in this... um... Okay, Christopher LaSalle. He was like the short-haired guy, like the the almost buzz cut that was hanging out with the short-haired woman. Oh, yeah. Okay. American Gothic S- Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I didn't know it was the kid from American Gothic, which is a very good show. I, I liked that. Um, it was kind of screwed over, but...
0: What's American Gothic? I've never seen it.
1: Uh, mid-90s, uh, one season wonder with uh, Gary Cole. And, and a heavily accented Lucas Black. He softened out his accent a lot in the intervening years.
2: Yeah, it was it was kind of Twin Peaks-esque, like, small-town yeah. weird things going on, and the, the sheriff might be the devil, and there's these whole, like, prophecy going on and stuff like that. It was really well done, but if you ever watch it, look up the um, the intended order, not the order on the DVDs, because yes. it's, it's all sorts of screwed up, and it's important to the plot that you see it in order.
1: <laughs> it's one of these ones where a, a few of the episodes weren't aired in the original run, and got aired afterwards, and I think, yeah, on the DVDs, they're just all shunted up towards the end, instead of peppered throughout, as they should be.
0: So, saying to watch it in the production order, not the airing order, much like Star Trek the Original Series first season.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, this this guy, Lucas Black, Um, I thought he was great in American Gothic. I think in here, he was cardboardy and boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... He
1: served his purpose for this type of program, I guess. He's listed second in the cast list and we've got 50 minutes in and we've only just mentioned him. That's that's how meaningful he is.
2: He did nothing though. Yeah, I know. He did nothing in the episode and he seemed like the kind of like pretty boy you would add to a show like this like if you want like for the the younger crowd, like the more the you know, you got Scott Bakula for like the older ladies and then you you want to have like a younger kind of generic hot guy because it's not like sebastian he's the nerd guy but you want to have like you know
0: yeah well that's but that to me that that was they were all generic characters you had the nerd guy who was like the socially awkward tech genius you had the hot younger partner who was the up-and-comer he's probably a hothead in a lot of the episodes and then you have the no-nonsense as nail short-haired girl who's going to show them all who who really runs the roost. I don't know. It just seemed to me like again, script and character by committee. Yeah. These are all the boxes that we need to tick. So let's tick away.
2: Yeah, I think the cast gets a shake up in later seasons because I've seen later ones and there's some like guy in a wheelchair added to the cast and some other stuff that like oh, of course. Well, I think to be a wheelchair Well, guy. I think he's like actually like a disabled actor, so it's like representation, which is nice, you know, but um But I can't say, I mean, whether or not it's actually a good program, I don't know. The ones I watched were all right, (laughs) but um, some of them weren't actually, but it it depends. (laughs) (laughs) But I think they get kind of a shakeup. This feels also like an early um, first season of a show awkwardness to some of it. Like they're still figuring it out because this is only nine episodes into the entire show.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely.
0: So you're saying that we're maybe not seeing NCIS at its best. This could be the equivalent of a season one episode of Next Gen.
2: <laughs> no, I, mean, yeah. I don't think it's as bad as season one <laughs> of Next Gen. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Is this this like Angel One kind of level?
2: No.
0: <laughs> Things seldom are as bad as the first season of Next Gen, but uh, let's hope this comes close. For its own sake.
2: See, I saw the pilot of NCIS New Orleans, and I can say most of it was pretty boring, but when they opened the cold open, a box of shrimp falls open, and a severed hand is inside it, and then they go to the, boom, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Like, you know, we're in New Orleans. Get it? Get it? We got Creole. Oh, <laughs> um, there was, um, <laughs> this was a, a huge loss for the, uh, IMDb message boards because, um, they still existed when the show, uh, started. And so, like, uh, on the message boards, it was a lot of people like Duncan on the show, and they had one. There were these ads for the show where they kept using a quote where Scott Bakula's character goes, Oh, we gonna have some fun. And so it was like every, every time you saw the ad, Oh, we gonna have some fun. And one of the, one of the posts was like, Oh, we gonna have some fun. And then you open it and it just says, No. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was one where they said, Quit talking about gumbo. Every episode, they're gonna bring up gumbo. <laughs> I don't think we got gumbo this episode, did we? They didn't bring up gumbo, though they did have to bring up greens a lot, and kind of there were a lot of lines like, get it? We're in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, it's funny because it reminds me, this is, I don't know why this, I know why it popped in my head, because of the gumbo thing, but then I was thinking just like stereotypical, and did you guys ever see a show called The State on MTV? No. Mm No. It was a sketch comedy show. It had the guy from uh, Reno 911, who now plays Felix Unger on the CBS Odd Couple reboot. Um, Thomas Lennon is his name. And Ken Marino, who you've probably seen in Party Down, and uh, Michael Ian Black. Um, a, a lot of people that have since gone on to do other things comedically, but... I saw them live once uh, in in Queens, and they had this skit. It was just called The Jew, the Italian, and the Redhead Gay, all living together on Avenue A. And <laughs> every line they had, like, the Italian guy's, like, in a guinea tea, and he's like, what? I gotta make the sauce! And the Jewish guy is just like, I have to go get bagels! And the gay guy is just being flamboyant for no fucking reason. And it was just, like, hilarious because that is how TV executives look at this stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that... you going to have gumbo and greens in every episode because, hey, we're in New Orleans. We have to put it in, you know, and things haven't really progressed in, in a lot of ways. It's still just a lot of dumb, dumb bonk on the head references.
2: It, yeah. It, well, yeah, it does feel like a lot of like we have to hand feed you like all of this stuff and like remind you about the setting and the place. And like New Orleans is like a great setting and very cheap to film. You get a lot of <laughs> you get a lot of deals if you film in New Orleans. But it is a very good setting and like um if you're gonna do another spin off of NCIS, like I mean, that's that's the place to do it, right? You got like such a great culture and uh great architecture and you know, gumbo. It looked great. Have you guys ever been to New Orleans? No. no, but I'd like to go someday.
0: I went once for work. I went, to my first job. We used to have conventions every year. And, um, one of them was in New Orleans. And I have never had more fun in my life. I think I went to Bourbon Street five times in four nights. Wow. That's, I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And, um, to have, and I guess maybe this, this kind of leads into my final thoughts to have a show set in a city that I know is so dynamic and so wonderful and so interesting and to be the equivalent, I, I swear to God, like watching this, I feel like <laughs> if you're a kid at the doctor's office and you know, you get like the highlights magazine <laughs> and it's like maze that someone has already done, but you do it anyway because it's comforting or like find the hidden object <laughs> where you circle the umbrella and the shoe. And it feels like this is the TV equivalent of that. It's like everybody knows exactly where it's going. We've all done it before, but you just go through the motions anyway because it makes you feel good. I can't think of any other reason for programs like this to exist. I just can't. <laughs> 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 um,
2: before uh, I get to my final thoughts, uh, I did uh, I did want to ask, did you guys catch who the director was? Yeah, Mr. Whitmore Jr. Uh, Mr.
0: James Whitmore Jr. yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: hmm. Still working. Good for Jimmy. Yeah, good for that guy. You know, I don't think the direction was bad. I'll say that. Good job, James Whitmore Jr. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I honestly enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. I'm doing a lot of dunking, but, like, I I found it funny. <laughs> like, there were some parts that were pretty slow and formulaic and, like, whatever. But, like, it was just sort of ridiculous. And the parts that they thought were really smart. If I can figure it out, it ain't that smart. <laughs> I don't claim to know that much, but like if I know what you're talking about with asphyxial resistance and all this stuff, like you don't need to have your your seasoned cops <laughs> not know what's going on and maybe some of that's ironed out later. I do feel like it it felt a little less like that in some of the later episodes I watched, but um I m- I might actually watch more of it after this. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll want something on in the background. That sounds about right.
1: What about you, Matt? Yeah, and, and Chris, you you put it perfectly, but I'm I'm still going to disagree with your conclusion. Um, because yeah, I finished this not feeling particularly challenged. Feeling, I, and yeah, say I was surprised by some elements of the plot, but in terms of it being challenging viewing or something that was in any way difficult or surprising or shocking. None of that. It, it was comfortable viewing that reminded me of, yeah, some some of the, the stuff I used to watch when I was a lot younger, simpler times. And, um, yeah, I came off the back of this thinking I might want to watch a few more. I don't think I want to watch 150 episodes and try and catch up. Um, but I absolutely – no, I, I genuinely came off this thinking – this is some nice, easy viewing when I'm when I don't want to sit there watching something particularly complex. Um, I might, yeah, I might fire up some more of these. So, uh, absolutely, I'm I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna tune into this in future here and there. All right. Well, I, I mean, I'll give it this: it's probably the most dynamic
0: episode of television that Scott Bakula stars in that revolves around an anti-Semitic lynching. How's that? <laughs> I'll I'll give it that. Now
2: you don't, you don't know that. You have not seen his. Did you see the baseball crimes movie? I don't think you did.
0: Was there an anti-Semitic lynching in that?
2: There was some racism. I don't remember. Uh, But I rest my
0: case. All right,
2: all right, fair enough. Well, there was. No, you're right. A ringing endorsement. I think we're all in agreement, everyone. (laughs) Tune in to NCIS New Orleans. We go have some fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) If any of you patrons out there are familiar with NCIS New Orleans and want to come and jump to its defense and uh, take us to task for dunking on it, uh, we'd love to hear your voices. We'd love to hear what you think. So uh, comment on the feed for this episode on the Patreon page at patreon.com slash quantum leap. Podcast And, wow, so, guys, refresh my memory. I think that we picked this one after the gung-ho episode, right? So that was a Scott episode.
2: Yeah, this, this was a technically, Dean Stockwell thing. So
1: this was a Dean Stockwell thing. I'm
2: so sorry to, to, to Dean Stockwell, to everyone. Uh, you know, he's great. I just didn't like this episode with him.
0: <laughs> but that means that our next episode is going to be another Scott-centric project, I guess. So we could pick an episode of NCIS New Orleans. N- no, I think... <laughs> So, Allison, are you ready to spin the Wheel of Scott and tell us what we're going to be talking about on the next Leaps Elsewhere?
2: All right, I'm going to do my great technique of close my eyes, scroll around, <laughs> and whatever I land on. All right, I'm 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 doing it now. I'm going to keep doing this until you guys say stop. Stop. <laughs> okay, I've seen oh, this man. one. I've seen this one, and I have a copy. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> All right, we have The Trial of Old Drum. (laughs) What the what? What? (laughs) I will read the description for you. How have I not heard of this one? Charlie and his faithful golden retriever, Old Drum, share adventures together in their rural 1950s Missouri town. But when Old Drum gets accused of killing a local farmer's sheep, Charlie gathers evidence to prove his innocence. And yes, there is another back scent. It's a southern trial about a dog.
0: Oh my god, we just got off of the trilogy trial. Now we, got, now we got the old... Oh, Ron Perlman!
2: Trial of old drama. Let me tell you, the haircut is real.
1: Is Scott Bakula like 12 years old in
2: this, or what? This is 2000.
1: Yeah, this, this sounds like something that should have been one of his dodgy 80s films from the way you read it, but... Uh, yeah, okay. This,
2: this is... I don't want to get too deep into it. It's based on a true story. I will say that.
1: <laughs> wow. All right.
0: We're oh, going to cool have to do so some research into that true story. See if it's like, you
2: know. <laughs> uh, remind me. I'll send you guys a copy of it.
0: <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be trouble finding that. It might be on YouTube. I don't know. <laughs>
2: I'm Holy so glad shit.
0: it's this one. <laughs> Well, it's giving us something to look forward to, and uh, I guess until that time, thank you, everyone, all of our patrons from the bottom of our heart. We couldn't do it without you. Matt just got a spanking brand new microphone thanks to patron contributions. I'm getting thank new you. earphones. We get our server every month thanks to patron contributions like yours. So um, we 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 are really appreciative. We're happy to have you here listening, and we're having a ball creating this content just for you. So holy crap, the trial of old drum. Like, I never even would have known that existed without this. So thank you, patrons. (laughs) No. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So I guess until that time, I've been Christopher D. Philippus.
2: I've been Alison Pregler.
0: And I've been Matt Dale. And we'll see you on the next Leaps elsewhere. Well, we're going to have some fun. We had some fun. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Going to shoot you right down over your feet. How, 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 how.